Hello, I'm Pastor Rick, and welcome to our podcast. I hope that the message that you're about to hear will bless and encourage you today. Well, this is my Christmas message this year, although I will be sharing a Christmas meditation tonight. This is my Christmas message. My main key thoughts are this. On the screen, God has a solution to every problem. God has an answer for every question. And God has a breakthrough for every bondage. God has a solution to every problem. He has an answer to every question. And he has a breakthrough for every bondage. Here's the question. Could this be your day? Because... When God breaks through, this changes everything. I want you to believe this morning. I want you to believe that God wants to move powerfully in your life. I want you to believe that God wants to use you powerfully because when God comes through, this changes everything. Brother Timothy was a poor farmer and a church leader. In Nanyang, in the Nanyang area of China, in 1993, people invited him to pray for a wealthy Communist Party official who was dying of mouth cancer. By the time Timothy gained access to him, Mr. Chang had died. Timothy was shocked. But he wished to honor the request to to pray, and so he asked, can I go and pray over the body? So they took him down to the morgue, to the refrigeration unit where Mr. Chang's body was, and he went to pray. While the workers stood around, entertained by this simple farmer's faith. And nothing happened. And remembering the biblical story of Lazarus, Timothy looked at the workers and he promised to come back the next day. So when he came back, more than 20 people had gathered now. They were laughing. They were entertaining themselves at his expense. As I laid hands on the corpse, Timothy recounts, I leaned forward and whispered, Mr. Chang, if you're unable to talk, then I command you to move your eyes in the name of Jesus. I looked closely, and it appeared his eyes twinkled a little. But nothing further happened. So, while he was there, he prayed aloud the message of the gospel for all those who were watching to hear. And he said, I'm coming back tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Well, the next day at 10 o'clock, you can imagine, the stairway down to the morgue was filled. The morgue area was filled. Mr. Chang's body has been in refrigeration all of this time. And Brother Timothy came down, 
And he prayed again, and nothing happened. So he left. But soon after, he heard the report. About 20 minutes after I left, Mr. Chang suddenly sat up and started coughing. Word spread through the hospital, bringing many to faith in Christ, and Mr. Chang and his family became believers, and he lived many more years. See, when God breaks through, this changes everything. We have a God who wants to move in your life, who wants to move in my life, and he wants to move through our lives. Turn to Luke chapter 1 as we read this morning another time when God broke through. Because in the story of Luke's gospel, God broke through on one ordinary day. God showed up and everything changed. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Now, a little background, a little context. In this culture at this time, Mary was probably in her early teens. Girls were usually engaged at the age of 12. Or, in some of the other translations, it may say betrothed. They were engaged at the age of 12, and this engagement would last for 12 months. At the conclusion of this engagement period, while she has continued to, to grow, the, the man that she was uh, engaged to was responsible for getting the house that they were going to live in, and then he would come and get her after a year, and then the formal marriage ceremony would take place. And until that time, they would not be together sexually. They were just engaged or betrothed. So that means that Mary is probably about 14 years old at this time. Now, some scholars put her as old as 16, but the most that I have read say she's probably about 14 years old based on history and the customs of that time. Now, she's living in a place called Nazareth. Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, and it's sort of centralized. If you go north about 100 miles is a town called Nazareth. And some commentators say you don't want to call it a city. Maybe a town is even a little bit giving it too much. It's a village. It's about a few hundred people. It is up north in an area called Galilee. Galilee is up in the northern part of Israel, and it borders the uh, countries that surround, which are Gentile countries. In fact, Nazareth was in an area that was called Galilee of the Gentiles. There were so many Gentiles both living there and interrelating with these from Israel that it was almost considered to be uh, part of a, a Gentile area. It was not looked upon favorably in that area. So, let's continue the story. Verse 29. Confused... And disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of the Lord will never fail. And some manuscripts actually have it stated this way, nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And Then the angel left her. I'm going to make four points this morning from this story. Number one, a miracle, or I put in parentheses, both in your notes and on the screen, your miracle can happen any day. Any day. Your miracle can happen any day. God has a solution to every problem, and that solution can come any day. He has an answer to every question, and that answer can come any day. He has a breakthrough for every bondage, and that breakthrough can happen any day because when God shows up, this changes everything. Israel had been expecting and praying for the Messiah. The Messiah was promised in the very first book of the Bible, to Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis. That is the first mention that there was going to come a leader who was going to destroy the works of Satan. And for hundreds and thousands of years, Israel looked for their Messiah to come to appear. They have been praying. They have been expecting the Messiah for centuries. And then in one moment, on one day, over 2,000 years ago, in a backwater place called Nazareth, the angel Gabriel appeared, and that changed everything. It changed everything for Mary. It changed everything for Joseph. It changed everything for Israel. And it changed everything for the entire world. In one moment, your miracle or a miracle can happen any day. And I want you to leave this Christmas season with those things that have been heavy upon your heart, wondering when will God come to believe once again that that breakthrough, that miracle, that answer to the question can happen any day. Brother Timothy prays for a communist official who had died. He prays three different times over a corpse in a morgue in the refrigeration unit and nothing happens. But after the third prayer, and after he leaves without anything happening, 20 minutes later, God showed up. The leader, Mr. Chang, sat up, started coughing, and that changed everything. It changed everything for Mr. Chang. It changed everything for the surrounding areas. That particular area of China still is considered to be one of the most Christianized because of the miracles that God did there. Not only this resurrection of Mr. Chang, I had story after story after story after story I could tell you 
And I had to choose which ones I would tell you this morning. But when God shows up, this changes everything. Number two this morning. A miracle often comes at unexpected times and without a warning. A miracle often comes at unexpected times and without a warning. This is what I imagine Mary doing. I imagine Mary doing whatever her normal daily chores were. Whether she was sweeping out the small uh, place that she lived, whether she was maybe cleaning out a stall if they had animals, whether she was feeding chickens, whatever it was, I believe she was just going about the normal activities of her life. She had no clue that this day would be different than the weeks and the months. And let's say she's 13, 14 at this time. The 14 years before, she got up. She did what she was to do. She was looking forward to the time that she was going to be married to Joseph. She was preparing. She kept things as it was. And then in an instant, in a moment, unexpectedly, without warning, bang, an angel appears. Stands right in front of her and says, Greetings, Mary. You have found favor with God. Just because... You have prayed, and you haven't seen your miracle. A miracle often comes at unexpected times and without a warning. There was something that I had desired, something that I had kind of prayed for, not significantly. I wasn't on my knees every day or every night praying for this thing. It was just something that would make my life easier. I started to pray for it 10 years ago. I started to desire it. And it was more a desire because the Bible says in the book of Psalms, the 37th Psalm, be delighted in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, God has given me things that I haven't really specifically prayed for, but I desired. And suddenly, unexpectedly, and without warning, this desire of my heart was met a little over a week ago. Just there it was. The blessing of God. Because your miracle, and some people would say this isn't a miracle. Well, for me it was because it was a desire of my heart. Your miracle can happen any day. And it often comes at unexpected, or comes at unexpected times and without a warning. Number three, this morning, God uses ordinary, broken people for powerful things. I really can identify with this point. In fact, I can identify with all the points. This is a message that I enjoy preaching because I can identify with the points. God, when he showed up, showed up in Nazareth. It would be like someone in New York City finding out that God showed up in Arkansas or Kentucky in the hills. That's the way that they looked at Nazareth. This was, this was Jed Clampett and Ellie May. That, really, that's how Jerusalem thought of Nazareth. But God, to let you and I know that we don't have to be anything special to be called and used by God throughout the Bible is choosing the most unlikely people. 
the thought was, in fact, the religious leaders thought this, and when God would show up, it would be in Jerusalem. Now, they got closer to Jerusalem when Jesus was born. It was in Bethlehem, which is a few miles away. But the family was from Nazareth, a place no one would have expected the Messiah to come from because God uses ordinary, broken people for powerful things, powerful things. Here's a quote by uh, author John Acuff. He says this, The next time you feel unqualified to be used by God, remember this. He tends to recruit from the pit, not the pedestal. He tends to recruit from the pit, meaning from people that are looked down upon, people that are broken, maybe people that have uh, had done things that, and had negative things happen to their life. That's where God tends to recruit, from the pit, not the pedestal, not those who grew up with a silver spoon in their mouth. Certainly God uses people like that and has had some of those in, um, in the history of the church and even today. But most of us, most of us, need to be hopeful because God, God can and will and wants to use you and I. And God can and will and wants to touch you and I. He took a 14-year-old girl. He took Joseph, a young man, maybe also in his teens, a good man, a man who was willing to set Mary aside and let his life get changed once again because when he finds out that she's pregnant, he knows he's not the father. His mind went elsewhere as to where the father might be. Holy Spirit, his father, just wasn't in his, uh, in his realm. But then God sent an angel to talk to him in a dream that it was okay. Two people whose world was turned upside down in a moment because God broke through and that changes everything. If you can think back to when God broke through in your life in some way or in several ways, your life changed. Pastor Rob Loy was at the Welcome Center of his church, and he wrote this in a book of his that I read. He was at the Welcome Center of his church. He was out in the lobby greeting people who were there for the first time. And when he greets people that are there for the first time, he often asks them, how did you find out about the church? So Pastor Rob wrote this. One week I met a lady who had a puzzled expression on her face as she came up to that table. I introduced myself, asked her how she heard about the church or why she came, and she said, I was at the gas station yesterday, and a man came up to me and said, God had told him to buy my gas. I was stunned. No one had ever done anything like that for me before. So I asked him where he went to church. I wanted to know what kind of church produces people who are so generous and so strange. And he told me about your church, and I wanted to come this morning to see what had happened in his life. Pastor Rob said I smiled and told her I was glad to have her join us. See, a, an ordinary man open to promptings of the Holy Spirit, which all of us can receive, followed that prompting, 
filled the ladies' tank with gas. He didn't know what the results of that was going to be. She might have said thank you and then drove off. But because he was following God and God had prearranged some things, the lady said, why are you doing this? And he said, probably a little hesitantly, because, you know, people do think you're crazy when you say God told me, especially if you're at the Circle K and you're buying somebody's gas, and you say, well, God told me to buy your gas. And then the other people in the store go, hmm, maybe God's going to tell them. But then she asked the next question, well, well, what church is this? Where do you go? And she showed up. Because, see, when God breaks through, when God shows up, this changes everything. A woman walked in the doors of the church, met the pastor, was exposed to the gospel and the reality that Jesus Christ lives. This all boils down to one question for you and I. Will we respond when God calls? Mary responded when God called. Number four in your list. God doesn't choose the perfect. He chooses chooses. God doesn't choose the perfect. He chooses the willing. God doesn't choose the perfect. He chooses the willing. Listen to Luke chapter 1 verse 38. Here's it in two different translations. The New Living says, I am the Lord's servant. This is Mary's response to the angel, but it's more than her response to the angel. This is Mary's response to God. What's your response to God when he calls? I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. The way I had it memorized many years ago, Mary said this, Behold, the bond servant, the bond slave of the Lord. But this is the part I remember. May it be done unto me according to thy word. May it be done unto me according to your word. May what you say happen. She said, Here I am. I am willing. I am willing. Are you willing? Are you willing to receive from God? Are you willing to believe again? Are you willing to be used by God? John L. Mason in his book, An Enemy Called Average, made this statement. God uses willing vessels, not brimming vessels. Again, so many of us think, well, if I got to be so full of the Holy Spirit, or I have to be so full of faith, or I have to be so full of this, are you willing? It's amazing what God can do with one who is willing. The man who paid for gas at a gas station. If he was like me, if he was like Sherry, when we have had these type of encounters, there's a part of us that goes, oh God, is this you? Really? I don't know. I'm in a hurry or I might be embarrassed or whatever, and, and we kind of argue with it a bit. But when we're willing, when we're willing, that's when God can use us. God has used me at times. I wasn't brimming over. I was not feeling too energetic. Maybe I wasn't feeling too joyful or happy, but God wanted to use me. And I said yes, because he wants willing vessels, not brimming vessels. Are you willing to be used by God? Okay, are you expecting to be used by God? Many of us will say we're willing, but do we expect it? Are we looking for opportunities? Do we start our day saying, hmm, I wonder what God or how God might use me today? Are you expecting God to want to use you? If you're willing and you pray and you listen and then you respond when you listen, you may be surprised what God might do. The late pastor and author John Wimber told this story of how God changed everything in someone's life. 
quoting now from him. It was the end of a long day of ministry, and I was exhausted. I had just completed a teaching conference in Chicago and was flying off to another speaking engagement in New York. I was looking forward to the plane ride as a chance to relax for a few hours before plugging back into teaching. But it was not to be the quiet, uneventful trip I had hoped for. Shortly after takeoff, I pushed back the reclining seat and adjusted the seatbelt, preparing to relax. My eyes wandered around the cabin, not looking at anything in particular. And seated across the aisle from me was a middle-aged man, a businessman, to judge from his, his appearance. There was nothing unusual or noteworthy about him, but in a, in a split second, in the split second that my eyes happened to be cast in his direction, I, I saw something that startled me. Written across his face in very clear and distinct letters, I thought I saw the word adultery. I blinked, rubbed my eyes, and looked again. It was still there. Adultery. I was seeing it not with my eyes, but with my mind's eye. No one else on the plane, I'm sure, saw it. It was the Spirit of God communicating to me. The fact that it was a spiritual phenomenon made it no less real. Now, by now the man had become aware that I was looking at him, gaping at him might be a more accurate description. What do you want? He snapped. As he spoke, a woman's name came clearly to mind. This was more familiar to me. I had become accustomed to the Holy Spirit bringing things uh, to my awareness with these kind of promptings. Somewhat nervously, I leaned across the aisle and asked, does the name Jane, this is not a real name, does the name Jane mean anything to you? His face turned ashen. We got to talk, he stammered. The plane we were on was a jumbo jet, the kind with the small upstairs cocktail lounge. As I followed him up the stairs into the lounge, I sensed the Holy Spirit speaking to me again, tell him that if he doesn't turn from his adultery, I'm going to take him. Terrific. All I had wanted was a nice, peaceful plane ride to New York. Now here I was, sitting in the plane's cocktail lounge with a man I had never seen before, whose name I didn't even know, about to tell him that God was going to take his life if he didn't stop his affair with some woman. We sat down in strained silence. He looked at me suspiciously for a moment, then asked, who told you that name? God told me, I blurted out. I was too rattled to think of a way to ease into the topic more gracefully. God told you? He almost shouted the question. He was so shocked by what I had said. Yes, I answered. And then taking a deep breath, he also told me to tell you that unless you turn from this adulterous relationship, he's going to take your life. I braced myself for what I was sure would be an angry, defensive reaction, but to my relief, the instant I spoke to him, his defensiveness crumbled and his heart melted, and in a choked, desperate voice, he asked me, what should I do? At last, I was back on familiar ground. I explained to him what it meant to repent and to trust Christ and invited him to pray with me. With hands folded and head bowed, I began to lead him in a quiet prayer. Oh God, and that's as far as I got, 
the conviction of sin that had built up inside of him seemed virtually to explode, bursting into tears. He cried out, Oh God, I am so sorry, and launched into the most heart-rendering prayer of repentance I have ever heard. It was impossible in such cramped quarters to keep hidden what was happening. Before long, everyone in the cocktail lounge was intimately acquainted with this man's past sinfulness and present contrition. The flight attendants were even weeping right along with him. When he finished praying and regained his composure, we talked for a while about what had happened to him. The reason I was so upset when you first mentioned that name to me, he explained, was that my wife was sitting in the seat right next to me and I didn't want her to hear. I knew he wasn't going to like what I said to him next. You're going to have to tell her. I am, he responded weakly. When? Better do it right now, I said gently. The prospect of confessing to his wife was understandably somewhat intimidating, but he could see that there was no other way, so again I followed him down the stairs and back to our seats. I couldn't hear the conversation over the noise of the plane, but I could see his wife's stunned reaction, not only to his confession of infidelity, but also to the account of how the stranger sitting across the aisle had been sent by God to warn him of the consequences of his sins. Eyes wide with amazement and probably terror, she stared first at her husband and then at me, and then back at her husband and then back at me as the amazing story unfolded. In the end, the man led his wife to accept Christ right there on the plane. There was little time to talk when we got off the plane in New York. They didn't own a Bible, so I gave them mine, and then we went our separate ways. When God comes through, this changes everything. On that plane ride between Chicago and New York, a man's life was changed. His wife's life was changed. Even Reverend Wimber, his life was changed. And he's told the story before, and many people, including you here today, may be sensing something going on in your own hearts that could God do that for me? Who knows what God wants to do? Your miracle can happen any day. A miracle often comes at unexpected times and without warning. God uses ordinary broken people for powerful things. And God doesn't choose the perfect. He chooses the willing. God is working. The team could make their way back to the platform. Back to how I started this morning. God has a solution to every problem. God has an answer to every question. He has a breakthrough for every bondage. Could this be your day? And if not today, what about tomorrow? Or Wednesday? Or Christmas Day? Will you hold on in faith to those things that have been stirring in your heart? Because 
God does have a solution to whatever problem it is that is burdening you. God has an answer to that question that you've needed an answer for. He has a breakthrough for every bondage. Could this be your day? Could this be the day God chooses to use you in a special, wonderful way for someone else? Or could this be the day that God is going to use someone else or just sovereignly touch your life? Because when God shows up, this changes everything. Today, will you believe for the first time or believe again that God wants to move both in you, for you, and through you. Bow your heads as we pray. Lord, as we wind down this morning, as we have read once again the Christmas story as to how you broke through 2,000 years ago in a backwater place called Nazareth to a couple of unknown kids, unknown at that time, now known throughout all of the world and through all of history, Mary and Joseph. Lord, because the miracle often comes at unexpected times and without a warning. And Lord, this morning we submit ourselves. We're not very important. We're kind of broken people. But Lord, you want to use us for powerful things. Lord, we are willing to be used by you. Thank you for the marvelous things that you have done and are doing around the world. Letting us know that you truly are the same yesterday, today, and forever. That you are still moving powerfully and miraculously around the world. Lives are transformed. Men and women are saved. Entire villages, such as Brother Timothy and the story of the resurrection of that Communist Party leader. Lord, a family was transformed as Brother Wimber used by you. And Lord, the world, the entire world was changed because you showed up one day to some very unimportant people, a 14-year-old girl who was willing and said, I am the Lord's servant. Be it done unto me according to thy word. Lord, we offer ourselves this morning as your servants. You love us so much and you want to work and use us. Stir our hearts with the words that I have spoken. Take words that I have spoken and bind them to each and every heart that faith may grow this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand. It's a strong conviction of my heart that the Holy Spirit is desiring for men and women here at Columbus First Assembly to be used but it starts with a willingness and it starts with an expectation how many of you would respond to the Holy Spirit this morning and say I'm willing Lord whatever would you raise your hand wherever you are saying I'm willing Lord wherever I'm willing Lord wherever I want you to take a next bold step I want you to step out of your seats and I want you to stand across the front that was you you're saying I'm willing Lord wherever Step across the front. 
Maybe you at home, you would have raised your hand and been here. This prayer is for you too. God wants to use ordinary, broken people to do extraordinary things. I don't know what those things are going to look like, but they're not going to, you know, make you seem more weird. I mean, let's just face it, when God tells you to tell someone that God said, that does feel a little uncomfortable. But he's going to work with your personality. He's going to work with your temperament. temperament. He's going to work with who you are. Because there's something that you have right now, today. If the what dwells in you, if the same what? Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. If you are a follower of our Lord Jesus Christ, have opened your heart to him, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works. Because I am going to be with the Father, you can ask for anything in my name. Right now, what you're asking for in his name is an opportunity to be used. You're saying that you're willing. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Father, you see the men and women that are standing here, the men and women at home who would be here if they could be. And Lord, they are saying, Lord, I am willing to be used in whatever capacity you would want because I want to bring glory to the Father through the Son. I want the name of Jesus to be revered. I want to see you work powerfully in and through me. Lord, you see the men and women who have stated that that is what they desire. Now I speak the word over them. And this is Jesus speaking to you who are down here, you who are watching. I tell you the truth. You, because you have believed in me, will do the same works I have done and even greater works. I have gone to the Father, so now you can ask me anything in my name, and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Now, people of God, Jesus would say, ask me for anything in my name. I will do it. You don't have to be afraid, folks, because he is good. He is good. He is good. He is good. He's never let you down. Let's see. Thanks for joining us for this message from Columbus First Assembly. If this message has blessed you in any way, would you share it on your social media feeds so that others can be blessed also? If you would like to join us for an in-person service and you're close to us, we are in Columbus, Indiana, then uh, our services start at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings and our church is located on the corner of 10th and Iowa. Once again, thanks for joining us. Look forward to having you join us again soon.